The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run simple with the game changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, well, I pulled a quote out of the, out of the old books from Leonardo da Vinci. And the quote is, learning never exhausts the mind. Keep that in mind. Now let's talk turkey here. Let's talk business. Your company probably does some employee training. You know what it is. Okay, maybe you got a little lazy. They have to read the annual employee update book, handbook, maybe once a year. Maybe you have a couple of things during the year. That might be it. It's not too sophisticated. It's not too fancy. It's not too exciting. But wait a minute. Let's talk about taking that learning beyond your four walls. How about creating and managing a digital external training and knowledge network for whom? Well, think about your customers, your clients, your partners. How is it different? (laughs) You're not going to get away with just an, okay, read the handbook. We changed a couple of words. It is what we call a different beast from your internal training and development. How? Well, first off, it has to be polished. It has to be clean. It has to be very, very easy to use. Is it worth the trouble? We think so. We think it can be the business change agent that helps your HR function become truly strategic. And if you've been listening to our shows here on Changing the Game with HR, over the past few months, you know that that's what the goal is, to help companies of all size make HR become strategic, better part of the business, not just bringing people in and moving them out or moving them around. You can be a big deal at the C-suite you you need and you deserve and you require a seat at the table. Where do you begin with all of this? Well, we're talking external training, so we brought in three experts who are going to help us figure this out. First up, I'll be introducing to you in just a moment. First on the panel will be Nate Hurto, H-U-R-T-O, Global VP for Learning, Sales, and Strategy at SAP Success Factors. Joining Nate on the panel is Joe Herman, VP for Learning, Product Management at SAP Success Factors. And rounding out the panel is Greg Goodrich, Solution Director for Learning at SAP Success Factors. You got the message. We're going to have a successful panel today. So I'm pleased to welcome Nate Hurdo first, and Nate has sent us a quote from Louisa May Alcott. I have to welcome Louisa May Alcott because she's never been on Game Changers Radio before. She doesn't even know it. Louisa May Alcott, American novelist and poet, best known as the author 
of the novel Little Women back in 1868. Yes, she lived from 1832 to 1888. And the sequel novel Little Men, 1871, and Joe's Boys, 1886. Interestingly enough, she grew up the child of transcendentalist parents in New England, and she played among the intellectuals. She knew Ralph Waldo Emerson, Nathaniel Hawthorne, and Henry David Thoreau when she was a child. Let's just get right to the quote. Nate sent me the following quote. I am not afraid of storms, for I am learning how to sail my ship. Nate Herdo, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Very well, thank you. Thanks for joining me. Talk to me. Are you a big fan of, do you even remember Little Women, Little Men, and Joe's <laughs> Boys? Nate, come on. Where'd you get this quote? I just, I love this quote because as we look at the, the world in which we, we compete, the world in which our, our software plays and our customers excel, you know, it's a highly dynamic world. And, you know, the customers that are the most successful are the ones that look for the challenges that embrace the, the changing market opportunities, the changing technologies, and in that constantly adjust their strategy. So I think it's, uh, you know, obviously it's a, a nautical theme here, but I, I think it really encapsulates what we see some of our best-run customer businesses doing to excel. Now, now let's turn that focus, Nat, Nate, on on my opening about HR becoming strategic through the in, the creation, the implementation, the execution of training programs beyond four walls. So, how does this quote apply? Not afraid of storms, learning how to sail my ship. Was this a learning process when companies create an external training program? And why don't you level set a little? What kind of training programs are we talking about here? Well, I really feel like we're entering what's probably the fourth wave of learning management where, you know, people have, have already tackled uh, their internal processes and, and really are now looking at ways to refine those. And as training organizations and companies in general face a lot more pressures around global competitiveness, around uh, internal budgets, and around really the, the consumerization of the engagement with their customers and their partners, there's an opportunity for organizations to reach out to end customers, so people like you and I or organizations that are their customers, to engage their partners more, and really finding opportunities to drive awareness around their brand, to uh, further entrench the relationship that they have through adding additional value to end customers, to partners. And I think doing that through knowledge and, and becoming a thought leader around a topic and around their products is a great way to to create a, uh, a more engaging and more durable relationship with your customer. Thank you, Nate. I was going to ask you if it's, is there a fine line between what we're talking about between selling brand awareness slash pure thought leadership? Cause that's what we do here on Game Changers. We don't sell. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about solutions. We just convey our shared knowledge to our listeners on a topic mm-hmm. of the day. So, so is there a fine line in these programs? Absolutely. I, I think one goes hand in hand. And as you provide, uh, great service to your customers and to your partners that's going to make them easier uh, to remain a customer. So I think if we look at, you know, organizations that have really excelled through customer service, through knowledge, so if you look at, like, a Zappos or a Crutchfield, they've really built uh, a relationship with their customers uh, through becoming uh, a, a knowledge provider. So you can go there and get really trustworthy reviews and and engagement around whatever the, the commodity products are, because they are commodities. And that creates a, a level of loyalty because you're, you're treated right. You've got access to information that you might not otherwise have. 
Thank you very much, Nate. It's a pleasure to have you on. And now let me introduce one of your colleagues on the panel. We have Joe Herman calling from Spain. And Joe has sent me a quote from Sir Winston Churchill. Joe, Winston Churchill is very frequently quoted on our programs. And I think this is a new one you've selected. But let me just tell everybody that Winston Churchill's real name was Sir Winston Leonard Spencer hyphen Churchill. And the initials after his name are K-G-O-M-C-H-T-D-P-C-D-L-F-R-S-R-A, all my goodness. He was a British statesman who was the Prime Minister of the UK from 1940 to 45 and 51 to 55. And a little factoid here, Joe may not know. In 1963, Churchill was the first of only eight people to be made an honorary citizen of the U.S. And when he passed away at age 90 in 1965, Queen Elizabeth II granted him the honor of a state funeral, which had one of the largest assemblies of world statesmen in history. He was named the greatest Briton of all times in a 2002 poll. Here is the quote Joe has selected. Where my reason, imagination, or interest were not engaged, I would not or could not learn. Joe Herman, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today, Joe? Doing well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Where are you calling from? The rumor has it you're in Spain somewhere. Where would that be? Yep, I'm in Madrid today. Okay. What time is it? A little bit late for you? Uh, yeah, it's about 8 o'clock. Okay, not too late. We don't want to keep you up. So talk to me about this quote, where my reason, imagination, or interest were not engaged, I would not or could not learn. That's a double-forked answer there from, from Sir Churchill. What's your thought on this related to our topic of the day, Joe Herman? Well, I think a key aspect for corporate training today is making sure that uh, the material that's being presented is engaging to the learner. Um, as you said in your introduction, you know, it's not just about getting information out to everybody about changes to the corporate handbook. Um, that, that's stuff that needs to be done. But what we really want to try to do is, is encourage learners to really uh, appreciate the information that's being given to them and want to learn more. And especially in the context of extended enterprise learning for your customers and your partners and your suppliers, you're going to lose them very quickly. You're going to lose their interest very quickly if um, what you're presenting to them is not engaging. So I think that Winston Churchill had it right that, you know, in order to really help people to learn, we need to make sure that the content uh, engages their interest. Thank you. And what's your thought on that fine line I asked Nate Herdo about, Joe, the fine line between teaching people about what you want them to buy or what they've already bought from you or they're in the process of installing from you, whatever that product or service might be, versus education on a topic that will help them with their business that is not specifically related to making this sale. What's your thought on that? Well, I think that, as I said, you know, I think that the learner really wants to make sure that they're getting value. Everybody is very busy. And so mm-hmm. um, if what they're uh, taking, the content that they're taking is not of value to them, um, then they're going to you know, not come back. They're not going to be encouraged to continue on uh, in their relationship with you. So that's what, you know, you want to make sure that the, you're putting yourself in the shoes of the learner and uh, you have their perspective in mind uh, when you're creating the training that you want to deliver to them. 
Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And now let's bring on our third panelist. We have Greg Goodrich, Solution Director of Learning at SAP Success Factors. And Greg has sent me a quote from Sugatra, Sugata Mitra, who is a professor, a Bengali gentleman, born in February uh, 1952. He's a professor of educational technology at the School of Education, Community and Language, I'm sorry, Communications and Language Sciences at Newcastle University in England. He's also the chief scientist emeritus at the for-profit training company NIIT and Sugata Mitra won the TED Prize in 2013. He's best known for his hole-in-the-wall experiment, which is widely cited and works on literacy and education. Greg, I'm going to read the quote and chat with you about that, and then uh, either you or I can give a little background on what the hole-in-the-wall experiment was, because I think it may be very interesting to our listeners. So the quote Greg selected from Sugata Mitra is, learning can emerge as spontaneous order at the edge of chaos. Oh, I love that one. Greg Goodrich, how are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on. We are delighted. Talk to me about the quote. Are you a big fan of Professor Mitra or Mitra? How do you pronounce it? Uh, Mitra? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, as we were getting prepped for the show, I just went out and uh, did, some, did some research to, to think about, you know, the thoughts that are, are rattled out in our head and a good way to express it through a quote. And I summed it on this one, and I just thought it was awesome. And, uh, you know, I think we spend so much time in the world around us just seems like absolute chaos. And, you know, to have the ability to take, to be spontaneous and also put some order to that in, in that world that we deal with. And, and as we're, you know, tying it into our topic today of dealing with extended enterprise, I think the chaos gets that much greater. We're so accustomed to doing our internal training or, you know, working with HR or doing leadership development that we put a little bit of order to that grand chaos. It's as much chaos as we can consume and we feel good about. But now we're looking at another place, and I think there's that general fear to move into it because there is so much chaos. That chaos appears so much greater. Um, but there is so much opportunity for us that I just thought it spoke volumes to sort of where we are and where we wanted to head uh, and just was very succinct in doing that. Thank you very much, Greg. I appreciate that. Are you aware of his TED Talk from 2013? Uh, I actually have not seen it now. All right. Let, may I give a little background? I think it'll be very it. interesting. Okay. Okay. Let me just read what I discovered on, on Wikipedia, my favorite source for trivia on our, the quoted people from our guests. On May 3rd, May 3rd, 2013, Mitra's TED Talk, quote, build a school in the cloud, unquote, was featured in NPR's TED Radio Hour on Unstoppable Learning. Mitra discusses the hole in the wall experiment. He claimed that children in the rural slums of India, many of whom had never seen a computer in their lives. When they were left with computers in kiosks, guess what happened? They taught themselves everything from character mapping to advanced topics like DNA replication on their own with no adults in existence anywhere near them. He suggested this would lead to unstoppable learning through a worldwide cloud. There are quotes around that, where children could pool their knowledge and resources in the absence of adult supervision to create a world of self-promoted learning. This sounds like a wow experiment. I'm, I'm going to say this, Greg, because we know that parents and teachers always say, how do we get Johnny to learn? How do we get Barbara to do her math homework? And here they put kids in a kiosk with a bunch of stuff they'd never seen, and they learn DNA replication. What's your thought on that, Greg? Are you surprised? Yeah, I'm not. You know, when, when we are put in a situation where we have to learn, we learn, right? And that's usually the best teacher, right? If I want to go learn something, if I wanted to say I wanted to learn Spanish, 
Yeah, I could do it, and it wouldn't have much impact for me. You take somebody like Joe right now who's in Madrid. If he decides to learn Spanish today, it's much more bigger impact. Um, so, you know, to me, I wasn't surprised by that, and I, I think that, you know, that necessity breeds the ability to, to, to go out and learn. And it's interesting, we're actually, as we're getting ready for the show, we were listening to the show prior to this, and they were talking mm-hmm. about learning within monkeys and how monkeys had, you know, basically adopted the ability to find their food, and one monkey learned how to wash that. And then it passed to all the other monkeys, and they were macaque monkeys. I think they were in Central America or someplace. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how that learning spread. So to me, this is the same thing, right? We have to have that ability to, to learn for ourselves, right? That's what I want to do, the thing that's important to me right now. I want it. I want to consume it. I want to get educated, and I want to do that. I want to make that available to me right now. Thank you very much. We're mixing up, mixing a little bit in the concept of what are you going to teach beyond your four walls? How are you going to make it brand focused without being salesy? And then we're talking about the learning styles and abilities of the learners you're hoping to attract. So on that note, I'm going to circle back to Nate Herdo. And Nate, I'm going to ask you where you're calling from today. What time is it there? And what are you drinking? This is the part of the show called What's in Your Cup Today? So we'd like to know a little bit of interesting something about you, Nate Herdo. And if you're not drinking anything fascinating right now, no pressure, Nate. I'd love to know what you're planning to drink later or the best something you've ever drank in your whole life. Nate, go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm calling in from uh, Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, as I just got back uh, from Europe, so Joe and I passed in the air uh, yesterday, uh, my body clock says uh, that it's about, uh, about 10 o'clock my time. So uh, since we're done here, I'm going to uh, crack open a, a Port City Monumental Ale, which is uh, one of our local uh, local breweries, and uh, I love this brewery. I mean, the beer is fantastic, but they've just got a great story. They really look to establish uh, a resurgence of craft uh, that, that prospered for about 50 years until Prohibition in Alexandria, and when they looked at what they wanted to accomplish, uh, they really set out just to be very good at their craft within our local community and have grown to win multiple awards. They've expanded a, a number of times, and I just, uh, I really like the, the investment in the community, uh, drawing on the rich history uh, of uh, this great city, and, uh, and I also really enjoy the beer. So uh, I'm going to crack one of those as soon as uh, we're done here when, uh, when my clock says 10 o'clock. Okay, when your clock says, what kind of a, are you wearing a, an eye watch or what kind of a watch are you wearing, or a regular no. one? Uh, actually, uh, I've, I've just got a regular old watch. Okay, all right, good. I have so many friends who've got iWatches now, and they're they're taking phone calls on them, and they're sending messages, IMing emails. I say, what? It's Dick Tracy time all over again. The three of you are probably way too young to remember the comic strip Dick Tracy, but he had a, a watch he could do all kinds of things with. Interesting. Nate, thank you very much. I love the story. Joe Herman, you're in Spain. Are you drinking something that has a Spanish flair to it, or what are you drinking today? Uh, actually, not right now. Uh, right now, I've got a bottle of water, but I did, when I walked into the hotel in the lobby, they were advertising uh, a happy hour with sangria and mojitos, so I may have to stop down after the show and partake of some of that. Wait till after the show, please. We don't want to lose you. <laughs> Question, did you happen to see if it was red uh, sangria or, or, or I'll say uh, white sangria or clear sangria? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to go over to the bar area um, oh. to see what they were actually having. 
I'll be interested. The uh, the sangria I'm used to here in New York, on the rare occasion that I see it or I'm, I'm asked to have a drink of it or offered it, is uh, typically red, and it's got fruit floating in it and wine, and it's delicious. And I was recently at a wedding in upstate New York at a camp, very large wedding, and they had, I'll call it just a clear sangria, and it was white wine and triple sec and fruit, and it just didn't have that, mm, you know, it just didn't have that that full-bodied wow from the, the red sangria wine. So drop me an email. Let me know what the, the authentic way to make it is, okay? Will you do that okay, for me, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Spain is Thank definitely you. famous for sangria. I know. That's why I want to know what the real way is. Okay, and Greg Goodrich, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup today? I am in Washington, D.C., um, mm. in our nation's capital in the U.S., so I think you're going to hear a theme, right? We're all drinking something boring uh, right now. I just have a regular old glass of unsweetened iced tea, pretty boring. But uh, the theme is that as soon as uh, we wrap up with our days, uh, we're going to get something better. So for me, it's uh, I'm a big wine guy. love wine, particularly I like wines from Bordeaux. So uh, I think uh, after this is said and done tonight, it'll be uh, an opportunity to, to open up a bottle and have a nice glass of, of red Bordeaux. Wonderful. Sounds delicious. By the way, are you anywhere near uh, Dr. Patty Fletcher? Are you on the same trip she is? She's presenting, I know, to some very high-up people in the government on the need for HR to be more strategic and all that good stuff. Are you, are you within no, chatting distance? No, actually, I'm, I'm one of the few that lives in D.C., so one of oh. the, uh, the rare occasions that actually this is where, where I'm from and uh, where I'm located full-time. Interesting. I'm, I'm mentioning that because Dr. Patty Fletcher is our good friend because she is sponsoring this series with me. So I'm putting PK Fletcher into all of my tweets here and making sure that Patty knows we're on the air. We also have to have a shout out to uh, Emily Wilson who put together this panel on this topic. I know she's listening as well. Emily, if you're in the mood to tweet, just make sure you uh, include hashtag SAP radio so we see them all. So we're going to take a quick break. Our topic today is making HR strategic, a training ecosystem beyond your four walls. We've already dabbled a little bit in the topic, talking about what you should be teaching and maybe what you should not, and some of the basics of what you want to do. When we come back, Nate Hurto and Joe Herman and Greg Goodrich, all with SAP Success Factors, are going to help us do a deep dive on what you're going to be doing, how you should do it, how to digitally transform everything, how to make it easy and fun and interesting for your partners, for your customers, for your prospects and anybody who can benefit from the learning that you have inside your four walls. So there we go. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations, to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP Success Factors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. And we're back talking with Nate Hurdo, Joe Herman, and Greg Goodrich at SAP Success Factors. And we're talking about taking the training, the wealth of information you have, and pushing it beyond the four walls of your company. We all know today with so many companies spread out all over the world, four walls is really kind of a metaphor for outside of your organization. I think we can all agree on that. We're going to start the roundtable with some notes from Nate Hurdo. Let me see. Nate, Nate told me the following, and here's where we'll start. Organizations are being challenged to modernize their relationship with their customers, partners, and extended business network. And here's where we're going to go with this. We have now seen how technologies like virtual classrooms have played a role in transforming learning within an organization. And we're fascinated at looking at what technologies are going to support the next wave of innovation for organizations serving audiences outside their four walls. So let's move from those those proverbial walls outside. Let's talk about virtual classrooms. Nate Herdo, love to get some examples and insights from you, please. Sure. So yeah, I think I look at virtual classrooms as one of the the tools that a lot of uh, a lot of organizations use to speed the time to training, to reduce costs, to reduce uh, impact to the organization. And they've really had a, a, a serious impact on how organizations can deliver training, especially in remote areas where there may only be, you know, one or two individuals that need to attend a topic. So rather than flying somebody from, say, Singapore uh, to San Francisco, you can just jump on a, a, a midnight um, virtual session and teach people in the same manner that you would if you had a significant cohort in a, in a single location. So I think as we see a lot of companies trying to engage their extended enterprise, so their partner networks or their customers, Traditionally, those have been more face-to-face um, or they've been very asynchronous. It's been documents or, you know, like YouTube videos, things like that. So I think there's an opportunity now as technology is uh, becoming easier for organizations to adopt a consumer-grade experience, to engage people in the same way that they would go to learn something on their own, whether it's going to a YouTube channel, whether it's uh, searching for something on the Internet and coming to an interactive site, um, giving individuals uh, the ability to have training um, as well as thought leadership and knowledge at their fingertips in a, a modality that's, that's very much like if they were going to go buy a new pair of shoes or, um, or buy a new raincoat. Hmm. Okay, very interesting. Let's see what Joe Herman has to add to this. Joe, thoughts on what Nate just introduced? Yeah, I, I agree with what they're saying. I think that virtual training is uh, definitely a benefit. I think also I would add to it that one of the additional benefits of doing it that way is you can always record the session and then make it available on demand. Um, so if there's someone that isn't able to attend on a given specified date and time, they can go ahead and reference it later when when it, they have the availability. And then I think also another thing to think about is to take that recording to break it up into segments so that you can um, give them just little chunks 
little bits of learning that they can consume when they have a little bit of time available. Thank you very much. Greg Goodrich, talk to us. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm actually going to tie back to something that Joe said early on. As he was talking about his quote, he talked about you know making training engaging, right? And that's a challenge that we've always we've always faced, right? So that's nothing um, you know that something we always have to overcome. You layer on top of it now. You layer on the the, the movement of digital transformation, kind of moving away from that. Uh, you know, that analog way of feeling and getting things, right, and, and moving towards a more virtual world. How do you balance those two things out, right? So how do you make that training engaging but also make it in a way that is consumable by me uh, however I want to take it, right? So, you know, to, to piggyback on what, what my uh, colleagues have said, yeah, it's, it's absolutely something we need to think about, but we need to be conscious about how we're going about doing it because we do still need to be engaged. It still has to have the baseline of things that made training great in the past but we have to look at new mediums and new ways to, to consume that and get that out in front of our, our learners. Thank you, Greg. Nate, I'm going to circle back to you briefly and ask you if you want to wrap this one up. Any comments you have to add to what Joe and Greg added to your, your note? Yeah, it's just, yeah I, I think the, the whole topic of engagement is one that, that the industry has always struggled with because uh, a lot of people think about training as something they have to do. Um, and not something that they want to do. They more think of learning as something that they want to do. And, and typically it's more in their either their academic lives or their personal lives. I want to learn how to cook paella, for example, uh, or I want to uh, you know, get an MBA. And I think there's an opportunity for organizations to, to rethink how the, they're delivering training, both in the modality, uh, in the pace of training, you know, more quick and focused um, or, or just in place or just in time training uh, that can really help their, their customers, their partners, uh, or even their employees really understand uh, and get engaged uh, more quickly uh, and more enthusiastically. Thank you very much. And let's move on to, I think it's a, a little bigger side of the topic. Joe Herman, I'm looking at your notes, and let's talk about the L&D teams, learning and development teams. And you have a very provocative note here you sent me. You say, learning and development teams do not have a seat at the table. Most organization learning efforts remain internally focused on training and talent development, little focus on the outside, as we said, customers, communities, and partners. So is that part and parcel of saying we're now going to bring our expertise, our thought leadership to an external audience, now we deserve that seat at the table? Joe, why don't you put that all together for us? What's your thought? Yeah, I think that most organizations believe in the idea that learning is important, that they want to foster learning within their organization. But many times they don't see that as a strategic function. And, um, you know, they're more concerned with the operation side of the business or the sales side of the business. And one way for learning to become more strategic to the organization is to get connected with those other parts of the organization. So help to drive sales, help to improve operations, help to improve quality, bring down costs, right? And then, you know, when they speak in those terms about how they're having that effect on the organization, then people start to sit up and take attention. And so that's what we mean by getting a seat at the table, is that they're speaking in terms that the other parts of the business understand, and they're impacting those parts of the businesses directly, and they can demonstrate the impact that they're having on, on the organization. 
Joe, let's take this one step further before I invite Greg and Nate to join us. Let's talk about budgets now. You say when budgets are cut, training gets cut because it's a cost, not a profit. Learning can now change from a cost center to a profit center. Why don't you expand that to, for us and, and with a focus on what the L&D, the learning and development folks, need to know about this. And then we'll get Greg's comments and Nate's. Yeah, so, you know, when you bring training outside the organization, oftentimes you're able to charge for that training. And um, so, therefore, the learning and development organization is actually now generating revenue for the company. And, um, you know, typically, if, if you're not doing that, then the costs associated with the internal training piece are, are seen just as a cost in the learning and development organization. It's just a cost center. Um, and, of course, when times get tough and people are looking to cut costs, um, they hate to do it, but they, they have to scale back on some of their learning initiatives. In this way, the learning organization can almost become self-funding so that um, they're generating their own profits for the organization, and, and therefore they're never at risk of having their budget cut. Thank you very much. Greg Goodrich, I bet you have a lot to say on this. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, this is always an interesting topic, right, because, you know, we're all, you know, kind of, you can't tell, we're all learning geeks on the line, right? We're, we're passionate about what we do. And we all want to have better training. We want it to be more impactful. We want to, you know, do more with, with what we have. That's always the case within our organizations, right? And, and as Joe outlined, you know, if we're not really moving the needle, if we're not having any impact and we don't have that seat, when times get rough, it's going to impact us probably faster than it's going to impact other parts of the organization. So we have a real opportunity here by taking training and, and going beyond that development plan, going beyond that just basic internal training, and looking at a way to how do we have real impact into the organization. And it, that could be um, you know, actually monetizing the revenue stream from training. It could be using training to get people deeper into our brand. It could be an opportunity to, uh, to just sell more product or increase customer service. And if we look at learning... Uh, and ways that we can accomplish those business goals, then that gets us that seat at the table. And when budget cuts were to come, um, you know, we're not first on that list, that we're absolutely someone who can go ahead and sit at that table and say, hey, look how much revenue we produced. Look how we're moving forward. So uh, I think, you know, Joe is spot on with it, and it's just uh, it's a new way to look at it, and we all got to justify, you know, what we do for a living, and it's just a great way to look at, at, at helping your organization move forward. Thank you, Greg. If I could add to yep. that, you mm-hmm. know, one of the things that I think is interesting is also what is the the uh, uh, what is the adjacent effect? You know, so what does that do to the company's main product? You know, if you're selling training and there's a high level of engagement within your 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 customer community, they're going to be more likely to to buy the the rest of the goods and services that you sell. So I think there there's actually a ripple effect out from that training piece that helps reinforce the importance and solidify that seat at the table. Was that Nate who just spoke? That was, yeah. I was just coming around to you. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you to comment on that. Uh, Joe, you want to wrap this one up? We've had a little good, good conversation here around the table. Joe Herman, since this was one of your topics, what are your thoughts? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think also, you know, one of the things um, that may not be uh, totally apparent, but is a, a key to all this of making this successful, is that oftentimes the, the training that you're offering internally to your employees, you can use that same exact training and turn it outward and, and train the external 
enterprise with much of the same material that you've already created. So mm-hmm. it's not too hard to do, and um, with very little cost, you can now transform the learning and development organization as we've been talking about. Let me ask you a question, Joe. When we talk about partners, are we talking about training partners in how to use the your companies or whoever that we're speaking to, your company's uh, systems or, or the tools you're giving them or how to use certain marketing automation you might have created for them or how to sell your product better? Is that the type of training we're talking about outside the four walls? Because that seems to me something you had better be doing or they might not be doing it right. So is that something that's in, in what we're talking about, this new concept of training beyond the four walls? Yes, yes, all of the above, all of the above. You want to, you know, really build their expertise in, in everything that you do. Um, sometimes it, it may be even as simple as uh, training them on how to do business with you if they're a supplier mm-hmm. um, so that you can make your whole business network more efficient. Um, but in the case of partners that are out promoting your company's products, yeah, you want to make sure that they're, they're equipped with all the information that they can have so that they're most effective at selling or servicing your products. Okay, thank you very much. Greg, I'm moving on. I'm looking at a very interesting concept here down in the, near the second half of your notes. You say, approach this as a startup. Think about it in the sense of a business plan. If you want to take L&D learning and development and move it forward, you have to think about how you're going to move your business and who it will impact inside your business. That's a lot to talk about. Greg, why don't you yeah. uh, explain and expand us? Let's see. Let's t- take as much time as you want, and then we will invite Nate and Joe to comment sure. as well. Go ahead, Greg. Sure. So, the, you know, the thought process behind this, right? So, we talked a lot about you know the, why you would go um, trying to do a better bit of training around your partners or customers or anybody who's involved outside of your ex- um, enterprise, right? But how do you actually begin doing that? And so, if you think about it as if you have a startup. And if you look at that and say, okay, if I were to do this, if I were to provide training to this area, to this audience, who's going to benefit within my organization? And what is actually that benefit? And again, it doesn't, it could simply be that we're going to monetize training and sell it and you're going to become a profit center. That's great. But there are also other ways to look at it as we've talked about it. Maybe, um, maybe we're having trouble with customer service and this could, uh, increase our customer service staff. Maybe we want to use it as a lead generation tool for our main product to increase revenue. And each one of those cases, as we look at those and say, what is the ROI from doing this? Um, if I approach it um, as a business plan and I think about it in ROI terms, that will lead me to somebody within my organization that will help me. All right? So I, as a learning professional, I may never have written a business plan before. I could sit down and read books. I can watch TED Talks. I can come up with all different ways to do it. But the reality is, if I bring a partner in, who has something to benefit, then it's a great opportunity for us to work together. And then, as Joe mentioned earlier, that does start my seat at the table. Because I may not have had a lot of reason to talk to a VP of sales or the head of alliances mm-hmm. or somebody who is on the customer satisfaction team. But now I do. And if I can come to them with a way that they can impact their business that they're responsible for, chances are they're going to get on board with us and they will help us put that business case together. And now we take training from just simply that budget line item to a strategic part of our business. This is how we're going to fix this issue by bringing in training along with product, right? So it's just, I think, a good way to think about it. And if you just walk through the door and say, hey, we want to go out and we want to start selling training, everyone's going to look at you like you're crazy. But if you actually develop that business plan, understand what the business case is, understand how that can impact your organization, bring in some stakeholders into that, 
you're going to succeed uh, a lot faster than just simply throwing the idea out uh, that you want to go out and monetize. Sounds interesting. It sounds like creating a clubhouse almost, Craig. Is a, hey, in come a way, on yeah, in. You want, sure. you want to be part of this training plan? We've got something exciting going on here. Let me ask you a question before we invite Nate and Joe to chime in. Greg, who, who in HR would be the, the perpetrator or the idea person or the, the, the banner? We used to call it a flag, banner, banner waiver, flag bearer for this. Would this be the head of HR? Would this be somebody in, I hate to use the term rank and file, but somebody in the, in the network of HR people? Would this be the head of learning and development, who would be the one to listen to this show and say, boy, these guys really make sense. That sounds interesting, but I'm too busy. Who would they give that to if the head of L&D didn't have the time for that? Yeah, I mean, I think all of the above, right? So if you're in the learning and de- uh, development group, right, and you're looking at the things that you're, you want to do for strategic planning for this year, maybe that's something you're going to go ahead and look at. But even if someone's listening to the show and, and you know, maybe you don't have a lot of touch with your learning and development um, um, team, but you're part of another side of the business, if there's opportunity for you, maybe you are the champion to go to L&D and say, hey, I have an idea, how do we accomplish this, right? So this doesn't necessarily have to be always generated out of HR. There's a lot of opportunity to, for, for folks outside of that group to generate it. I think it's really important that the teams work together and develop a good relationship moving forward, but you know, this is something that, you know, if we see that, that, that we can benefit the business, then, you know, again, hopefully you're in a good organization where good ideas can come to the surface. But to me, it's, uh, you know, it's just a matter of, of speaking up and, and, and working with the appropriate teams. Thank you very much. Nate, love to get your two cents or whatever you got spare change in your pocket today. What do you think about all this, this, this idea of uh, reaching out from learning and development to various parts of the company and saying, hey, let's get together and create training? What's your thought? I mean, I think it's essential. Um, you know, like any initiative that's really going to affect an organization uh, from a revenue perspective as well as from a brand perspective, you want to make sure that you, you are running in a consistent manner with the rest of the organization. So as you can imagine, you know, we work with uh, a lot of organizations. I, I work with one uh, company, a major American brand, that runs a very mature very um, uh, well-run, very established uh, university for their dealers. And they've got brilliant people that run that, and it's well-orchestrated, and it's coordinated with sales and marketing, and, and it, it's a, a very effective part of the business. We work with other organizations that haven't gotten there yet, and they see organizations that are successful, and they try to figure out how do they make that happen. So. You know, this is one of the pieces of advice that we always give is if you're trying to really make an impact and transform the business, and I think transform is the important word there, you're going to have to affect change. You're going to need partners to do that. You're going to need technology partners within IT, technology partners within a vendor community. You're going to need to have uh, the operations, the marketing organization, and you're going to rely on expertise across all of this to really augment your capabilities as a learning professional. Because, again, by definition, you're a learning professional and not necessarily a professional or a marketing professional or an IT professional. So I think that's a really critical thing, and I really love this concept of um, a startup mentality of how do we bootstrap something, set some realistic goals, and, and come up with a business plan, and then you know, keeping with that, that theme that business is ever-changing. How do we make sure that that plan is nimble enough that it can be revised as we make mistakes and as we can uh, capitalize on successes and grow that, uh, that project forward? Thank you, Nate. Joe Herman, love to get your thoughts on this. What do you think about the business plan and, and startup concept that Greg introduced? 
Well, you know, it reminds me of um, a company that I've dealt with that manufactures motorboat engines, and it's a mid-sized company, so they don't have much of a budget for training. But the head of learning there actually put together a business plan for buying a system to train all of their dealers, and he based um, the whole approach kind of in reverse of what we're talking today of, you know, companies today are training internally. They need to start looking external. He um, started external and then brought a lot of what he was doing externally into the company um, because he was able to fund it through that external training that he did. So that, that actually was a success story for someone who did think of the whole thing as a startup, and he was just creating a training business uh, he could have even been outside his own company creating a training business for the dealer network, um, but that allowed him to fund a lot of things that he wanted to do internally then. Thank you. And let's. that was Joe, and let's go to Greg. Greg, you started this. Do you want to expand a little more? Any examples you have of how this works? Have you seen this in action? Yeah, you know, so we've seen it, definitely seen it in action. We've seen it, uh, you know, across industries as well, right? So we, we keep kind of hitting on manufacturing because that's a, that's a fairly simple one to consume, right? Mm-hmm. Where somebody is making a product and we want to make them better at, at using that product. And we've seen, you know, different case studies where it's, as Joe outlined, um, which I think is just a, a great example, right, to be able to use the funding for this to be able to do other things too is amazing. Um, where we're taking, trying to take that product and we want just people to be better at it. But there's also, you know, I think I'm thinking of use cases where people are doing this and it's not about the product, it's about the brand that they support. So, um, very, very large manufacturer of photography equipment, right? Their training is more experiences. They're more things that get you committed to their brand. They're not specific about one product or the other product, but they want to get you into that. So, um, I think, you know, as you're, you look at that business plan and, and just, you know, you can be very creative with the ways that you're going to use the training, the way you can look at monetizing or just the general uh, return you're going to get on that investment. And, and, you know, as Joe mentioned, right, this is a great opportunity to look at funding some of the, even the other things you wanted to do, even internally, right? And that's, that's just win-win and, and a great thing to go to management with for sure. Interesting. Let me ask you a question, Greg. Is there a fine line between charging for training and including it with the purchase or potential purchase of a product or a system or a solution or whatever it is you're selling? Are, are some people are going to come back? You know, you know the story of, of people. Uh, I'm thinking of seniors. I used to teach a lot of technology classes for my local adult education class, and I had colleagues that were teaching uh, iPad appiness and how to deal with your iPad and basic yep. basic uh, uh, PC learning. We called it comfy. People who couldn't figure out how to even plug in their PC. And, and if you go to Apple, no matter what you buy, there's the training included. So my question is, when you're doing this training, we're talking about funding and budgeting and adding, going from a cost center to a profit center. How do you know how to charge for something that will not turn them off and say, what, they're charging me that much? How do you make it profitable but almost free? Is there a method for that madness or how you, how you finesse yeah, that? Yeah. I think fundamentally we're not trying to change anybody's business plan from an organizational perspective, from a high-level perspective, right? We just want to augment to that. So, yeah, you mentioned a couple different examples, right? So if I wanted to, you know, get a a class on my um, phone, I won't say what manufacturer it is, but I can go to the mall and I can sign up and, uh, and go ahead and get a free class, right? So there's always opportunity to do that, and that's just, again, to bring me closer to the brand. But if I wanted to go do something like, you know, five days in a national park with a top mm-hmm. photographer, 
yeah, there may be some money that needs to be associated with that. So as you're uh-huh. looking at your business and, and what makes sense, you know, ultimately the goals of that business are what are going to trump everything else. Like if we're in, again, if we're in an organization where, our, you know, we're under very um, big growth from our product perspective, that that's the plan. We got to grow. We got to grow. We got to grow. And maybe having free training to augment that growth is a wonderful thing because it's in tune with what the corporate goals are. Now, if the mm-hmm. corporate goal is, hey, we need to, we need to find new streams of revenue, then that, that may be a great place to monetize. So, you need to look at your overall business, decide what makes sense from your top level goals that your CEO is setting and, and where you're going to move forward and, and tie all that into, uh, into that plan. And, and some cases you can, you can monetize and make some revenue from it. But other times, again, you, you're just looking for places you can benefit your business. Thank you. That's what I was looking for, that shading where you just can't say, great, we're going to pop a $10,000 price tag on taking this training, mm-hmm. and you might have to be very uh, budget conscious in terms of not only what you want to raise, but what your audience is willing to pay and how it will impact the value of your brand if you charge and how much you charge. And now you can say it's only $22.95. That's $22.95 rather than $2,295. Okay, very interesting. That was my little reality check. Thank you. We're almost ready for our predictions round, but I wanted to go back to one comment here in Joe Herman's notes. I don't think we covered. I, I don't think we did, Joe. You say companies are asking for an Amazon-like consumer experience without the need for custom integration or complex site development. How does this relate to our, our discussion here about taking the training beyond your walls? And is this, is this your comment on how slick it has to be to create a learning experience? Joe? Yeah, I think, you know, we talked earlier about the training content needs to be mm-hmm. engaging. I think the overall experience, you know, people want to make that engaging as well. And um, it goes to sort of the expectations that people have today of all of the different applications that they use and different places, different sites that they go to. And, um, you know, it influences their overall experience, the kind of experience that they have with your site. So uh, you want to make sure that that's engaging as well and it draws them in and they want to stay and and they really enjoy um, taking training from you. Thank you very much. Uh, just a sidebar here. I recently went to the SAP New York office and did a what we call it a teaser interview with Susan Solovic, who is known as the capital T H E small business expert. She's been a uh, a colleague of mine for many many years now, and she's appeared on Game Changers Radio here several times. And Susan just created a course in how women can create a, a successful, outrageously successful business from scratch. And she did it as part of the Open SAP MOOC, and that's massive online training courses. So uh, anybody who's out there looking for some interesting training, find out about you can go to open.sap.com and see information on that. Uh, Susan's quite a quite an interesting lady, great, great source of knowledge and thought leadership. And she has uh, been a consultant to the media. She appears on network news. And she's a champion of small business at the U.S. Congress level. She uh, speaks to Congress from time to time by invitation and champions small business. So that's just an example of, of training. You like that one, Joe Herman? Are you aware of Open SAP? Oh, yes, I am. That's a great example. Yep. Okay. So that's near and dear to me. So you know what? It's time for us to circle back to Nat Hurt. Nate, Nate, I keep wanting to call you Nat. You just look like a, a Nat to me. But Nate Hurdo, I will tell you it's time for our predictions roundtable. I'm going to give you each about 60, 75 seconds. And I'm interested in knowing, look into the future, 
What will be different about the two parts to our topic today, Nate, making HR strategic and a training ecosystem beyond your four walls? What do you think will happen that will make this different from our conversation today at what point in the future? Predictions, Nate Herto, go. Well, I think you're going to continue to see technologies that we don't consider today to become vital uh, to the day-to-day actions of both the employees, uh, people outside the company, and the company themselves. So that that ever-marching forward area of technology and needing to be nimble enough uh, to adapt to those changes. Um, I do think that as the, the training organizations continue to evolve, we will see uh, much more focus on people that aren't in the employee base uh, in order to give companies a competitive advantage, in order to give them uh, the ability to engage with their customers in uh, a more thoughtful way and a way that creates a uh, more of a thought leadership so the customers, you know, essentially uh, stay with them because of the leadership and, and, and the knowledge that they provide in addition to great products. Thank you very much. And let's move around the table to Joe Herman. Joe, what are your thoughts? What, what would you like to predict for any point in the future? It could be 10 minutes from now or 10 years or 20 years. What do you see coming down the pike in terms of HR becoming more strategic through training ex- ecosystem? Well, I think um, I'm thinking of, of training and, and learning in general, that I think that in three to five years we're going to see people using apps that will act as a personal development coach. And I think, you know, in the same way that people today are using apps to track their steps and their fitness and everything else, people are going to be looking at, you know, how fit are they in terms of their learning and their professional development. And uh, there'll be an app that will help them to track skills that they've acquired and and skills that maybe they could or should acquire. Um, And, you know, in terms of the extended enterprise, you know, the number of different interactions that you have uh, on any given day with, with all kinds of different technologies and products and everything else, um, this could be like your own personal shopper for um, training that might be available that could help you in your everyday life. So I think uh, we're going to see apps like that in the future focused. same way that many apps are focused on fitness today, I think we're going to see apps foc- focused on personal learning and development. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a great prediction. Very positive and very very forward looking. And let me just read a Joe uh, sent me the following alternate quote. We didn't use it in the opening of the show, but Joe says, and this is a quote from C. William Pollard, chairman of Fairwind Investment Company. And Mr. Mr. Pollard said, "Information is a source of learning, but unless it is organized, processed, and available to the right people in a format for decision making, it is a burden, not a benefit." I think that quote fitted nicely right there. Is that okay, Joe? You like that? Sure. Yep. Good. Thank you. Good. And Greg Goodrich, predictions. I'll give you one minute. Go. Yeah, I think in the short term, it's uh, to go write the app that Joe just outlined. That sounds pretty phenomenal. But I think in the longer term, what we're actually going to see is I think we're going to see a blurring of training as part of just that another part of the customer experience, right? So everything that we know as an organization about our customer all being tied in and really blurring that line between marketing and training and, and just really trying to get that person um, to be more part of our brand, to be more part of what we're trying to do. And if you look at some of the great brands out there, um, you know, that's really what they're already doing, right? You don't really know if you walk in uh, to a store that, you know, hey, um, this part is training versus this part is marketing versus this part is, uh, you know, customer service. It's just that overall experience. So I think we'll see a blurred line for from what we see from the user. 
Uh, but I think we'll also see that from a data perspective, right, that we'll be tying all these things in together and making business decisions on all these pieces combined. Thank you very much, gentlemen. It's such a pleasure speaking with you, Nate Hurdo, Joe Herman, Greg Goodrich, and a shout-out again to Emily Wilson at SAP for putting together this wonderful topic and great panel, and a shout-out to Patty Fletcher, Dr. Patty Fletcher, the sponsor of this series, Changing the Game with HR. And I know Patty is doing good things in Washington, D.C. right now, uh, talking to legislators about the needs for companies and training and HR stepping up its game. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. And by the way, thank you to Michael and the Business Channel team for keeping us on the air. Here is finally my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? You might have to take a training class in how to put your seatbelt on right. I don't know. Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, Tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.